You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today we're going to do some solutions table reviews. I want to talk about the solutions tables that NASM provides and uh, let's just review it so that we understand it, um, not just memorize it. So we're going to go along with the solutions table review for the Corrective Exercise Specialist Second Edition uh, textbook, and we're going to start talking about the solutions table for different parts of the body. Today, we're going to be talking about the foot and ankle complex, and we always refer to it as a foot and ankle complex because the foot is not the ankle and vice versa. So the foot and ankle complex and understanding a little bit more about some of the imbalances that you're going to see as a fitness professional and what are some of the things that we can do as a fitness professional that can help out. Now, for the most part, NASM uses what might be referred to as the postural structural biomechanical model to address postural movement issues that we might see. Um, there are a lot of models that are out there, but this one is really focused on posture and it is focused on biomechanics. What that means is there is, uh, if, if your feet turn a certain way, there are muscles that turn it that way. And there are muscles that allow it to be turned that way. Now, it doesn't mean that there isn't a structural component. Some people structurally have higher arches and lower arches. Some people structurally will be limited in dorsiflexion. Some people structurally have changes in their bodies. I have to be honest, one time I was doing a, a workshop and I was this workshop, it, it was great. I was crushing it. Everybody was excited. Let's get to the overhead squat assessment and let's do the assessment. And there was one guy who kept squatting, had his shoes on. He would squat and his heels would come up. And I said, take your, uh, take your shoes off if you don't mind. And he took his shoes off. And this is how we do it anyway. Take your shoes off so we could see it. But uh, he was a little hesitant. But he took his shoes off. He was a, he was a big guy, muscular guy too. Took off his shoes. We watched him squat and his heels elevated. And I thought, all right, um, let's just do this. Put your heels on the ground. And he said, I can't. And uh, I said, why not? And he goes, my heels don't touch the ground. And I said, ever? And he said, no. And I said, well, you have extremely flat feet. And so anyway, he said, well, let me show you why. And he took off his socks and he his arch was so collapsed that it was inverted and it was as if it was his heel and it was so low and even calloused to the point that the heel was off the ground and the, the fallen arch of his foot was like his heel. Now that, y'all, is a structural issue. There ain't no amount of foam rolling that can fix it. There's no amount of stretching that's going to fix it. There is a structural issue that had taken place there, and we are not going to fix it. Kind of like scoliosis, if you think about it, sometimes scoliosis gets worse because our posture gets worse with it. 
our structure, so a scoliosis is a lateral deviation in the spine, a lateral curve in the spine. Now, scoliosis can be structural and it can be functional. So if you remember uh, being, in, at least when I was a kid, we would take off our shirts, our PE teacher would say, bend over, touch your toes, and that would, what happens is he's looking for, in my case, he was looking for a scoliosis, a lateral turn in the spine. Now, if you bend forward and touch your toes, a functional scoliosis, so if you see a lateral turn in the spine, would disappear as you go into spinal flexion, all right? But if it was structural, if you go into spinal flexion, it stays laterally turned or S curved in the in the frontal plane. Why? Or C curved in the frontal plane. Why? Because it's structural, so it can't disappear. Now, sometimes a scoliosis can get worse because we are um, leaning into the bend and there are functional components to structural issues. Well, Rick, we're talking about foot and ankle. Why are you talking about scoliosis? Well, the answer is, I don't know. I just got off on a tangent. So let's talk about, let's talk about the foot and ankle. Now, the foot and ankle, we're going to initially look at table 11-4, where the feet turn out. This is table 11-4 in the corrective exercise specialist. The feet turn out, and it goes through the, the corrective exercise continuum of inhibit, lengthen, activate, and integrate. But let's talk about what this is and why it works. So first is, what are you going to inhibit? How are we going to do it? The modality is myofascial rolling. And there are a couple of muscles that you're going to address if the feet turn out. The first one on the list is the biceps femoris or the biceps femoris. Now let's talk about where that is and why that could make the feet turn out. The biceps fem is on the lateral side of the back of your thighs. So if you go onto the tops of your thighs, my knees are bent right here, and I I take my hands onto the lateral side of it and I cup underneath it. There is a right underneath my knee as I get close to my knee, really thick tendon of a muscle. The tendon of that muscle, the muscle of that tendon is the biceps femoris. It's on the lateral side. Now what happens is that it crosses over the knee and attaches to the fibular head and it can rotate the tib-fib complex into lateral rotation. It is an external rotator of the actual knee joint. I thought the knee just extended and flexed. Well, you're wrong. It doesn't. It also rotates. There's lateral and medial rotation, a lot more lateral rotation in a flexed knee than medial rotation. As we extend the knee, the knee gets what's called a closed packed position, and there's no rotation there. And that's also why it's really dangerous to be hit in the knee when your knee is straight because there is no rotation. You're in a closed packed position, so that can be really, really dangerous. Well, the same thing goes here. So if the biceps femoris is a lateral rotator of the knee, then we got to look at the gastrocnemius. The gastrocnemius also, so it is the, the bigger, uh, the bigger, the most prominent of the calf muscles, the superficial, so that's the one that you see, splits into two sections as it crosses over the knee. There's a medial gastroc and a lateral gastroc, and the lateral gastroc does what joint action you think. You got it right. It does lateral rotation at the knee. So if the, if the shin 
the tibia and fibula rotate laterally, the foot will follow that, and that leads to the foot turning out. So in many cases, it's not abduction of the foot necessarily. It's external rotation at the knee. Now, this is if the femurs are pointed straight and the, the tib-fib complex laterally rotates. Now, if you laterally rotate from the hip and your entire leg is laterally rotated and therefore your foot turns out, the foot turnout problem is a hip rotation problem, not a knee rotation problem. And we could address that in another podcast. But right now we're talking about what's going on at the knee that causes the foot to turn out. So biceps femoris, gastrocnemius, lateral rotators of the knee. But you'll also see gastrocnemius slash soleus. Now, soleus is the uh, deeper calf muscle. It is underneath the gastrocnemius. It does not. It does not cross over the knee. So why is that creating a lateral rotation? How does that contribute to a lateral rotation? Um, truth of the matter is that it, it doesn't lead to lateral rotation mechanically in direct rotation of the knee. What it does do is it is a uh, plantar flexor. And the problem is, is if you get a tight plantar flexors, both gastroc and soleus, if you get tight plantar flexors, that you cannot go into dorsiflexion. You cannot get that sagittal plane range of motion in dorsiflexion. Then you start to cheat in other planes of motion. You start to cheat in the frontal plane by everting the foot or you start to cheat in the transverse plane by laterally rotating. So you either take a step and you hike your leg up higher to keep the minimally dorsiflexed foot from clipping toes on the ground, or you do a little swing around. And, or you, instead of swinging around, you just walk in a, what we used to call when I ran track was a duck foot position with both feet turned out and you just walk with both feet turned out because there's an issue with dorsiflexion. So that's where soleus would be there. It's not a direct lateral rotator, but again, if you cannot get sagittal plane range of motion and dorsiflexion, this would be a cheat in the transverse plane where the feet turn out. There's some type of lateral rotation, whether that's the knee joint or whether it's at the hip, hip joint because of the lack of range of motion at the foot navel complex. So that's why that's on the list. Those are on the list of the, the muscles that need to be foam rolled or inhibited. Well, now we need to lengthen the same muscles. Why? So we're gonna inhibit the muscles, we're gonna get them to decrease their neurological firing, then we're going to increase range of motion after we get them to calm down. We're gonna get a stretch, I'm going to hold that stretch for 30 seconds. Well, Rick, how long are we going to do the, the foam rolling? Well, you're going to do the foam rolling, find an area of discomfort, and you're going to hold it for about 30 seconds. You can hold it up to a minute, and then you can perform it several times just to try to get increased range of motion. Just find several points on there, go to it, roll off of it, go back to it, roll back off of it, and then you can spend like, um, I don't know, what the book suggests, 90 seconds to 120 seconds per muscle group, and that's in 30 to 60 second holds. I like to keep it at 30 seconds. Relax as much as possible. <sighs> Breathe into it to try to get that uh, 
parasympathetic nervous system to engage and get the muscles to relax, which it does help do that. And then as you calm down and the muscles relax, then you're able to, to move on to the next one because you're getting that inhibition. So you're going to static stretch the same muscles. You're going to static stretch the biceps femoris short head, but you can't isolate stretch the short head of the biceps femoris. You can't just stretch the short head. So because all it is, is if you extend the knee, it, it only crosses the knee. So if your knee is fully extended, then that's as short as the short head's going to get. If you could internally rotate it, but you can't do that in a closed back position when your knee is extended. So what you're actually going to do is stretch the long head, which will stretch the short head. So you're going to, you can do this by internally rotating the hip because that is going to preferentially rot, uh, uh, stretch the biceps femoris internally rotate the hip, you're going to flex your hip and do a, uh, and straighten your knee out to stretch your biceps femoris. And you can hold that statically for 30 seconds, or you can do active stretches. If it gets really nervy, sometimes, especially the biceps femoris, it gets really nervy when you stretch it. So to keep from stretching the nerve so much, you can do active stretching and the active stretching will be really beneficial. It, nerves don't like to be stretched. And so if you stretch it and it's really nervy and you try to hold that for 30 seconds, you're just going to get the muscles to activate and contract more because the nerve's trying to protect itself from being stretched because it doesn't like it. All right. So that's static stretching. Biceps femoris, short head, gastrocnemius. Um, when you stretch the gastrocnemius, which is keeping the knee straight, you will also stretch the soleus. Now you can stretch the soleus without stretching the gastrocnemius, but not vice versa. So hold those stretches for 30 seconds. You can do a couple of reps of them just to, to try to really focus on increased range of motion. And then you're going to do activations. Isolated strengthening for muscles that are allowing feet turnout to happen. Well, what muscles might cause, uh, might allow the feet to turn out? Well, the medial rotators of the shin, the medial rotators of the tib-fib complex. That would be the medial gastrocnemius and the medial hamstrings. It was the lateral gastroc, the lateral hamstrings that laterally rotated. Now the medial gastroc, medial hamstrings are going to medially or internally rotate. So you can strengthen those muscles. 10 to 15 reps with a four second eccentric contraction. Really focus on the eccentric contraction here. A two second isometric and a one second concentric. And then you are set with your isolated strengthening. What can you do next? Then you go into integrated. You do the integrated exercise, integrated dynamic movements, a sagittal lunge to balance. But just because you can lunge to balance doesn't mean you can lunge to balance the way that we want you to lunge to balance. And what I mean by that is that you can go into a lunge to balance and your foot turn out. And your knee turn in. And so you can be in doing the exercise, but out of the position that we want you to be in. So it's not just that, that you do a lunge to balance. It is how you do the lunge to balance. Are you able to still keep medially rotated in the tibia? Are you able to keep alignment from your second and third toe to the center of your knee? And then keep your pelvis centrally placed on top of it. If you can do that, then you're doing it right.
and we want you to continue to do that exercise. It's a great exercise to do under controlled 10 to 15 repetitions, nice, slow, and controlled so that you can maintain it. Well, there's actually another uh, issue that happens at the foot and ankle that I want to discuss in this particular episode. It is overpronation. Now, pronation of the foot and ankle is fine. Like we're supposed to pronate and supinate. As we walk, we pronate and we supinate. It is part of the gait process. Uh, pronation is part of the deceleration process that we take place. It helps to absorb shock. But overpronation or already pronated doesn't help us absorb shock. And that is considered a, um, a postural issue that we want to try to support people in. So pronation is the sequential combination of dorsiflexion, eversion, and abduction at the foot and ankle complex. And so when you've got overpronation, you want to think about what's happening. This eversion is happening with pronation. And what are our foot everters? What everts our foot? It is the fibularis complex, formerly known as the peroneals. The fibularis is an everter of the foot and ankle. So you may want to look at that. And when you get into the, the corrective exercise protocols to inhibit, you're going to do some foam rolling for the fibularis on the lateral side of the shin. So on, on the outside of the shin, right over the fibula, hmm, fibularis. That's right. That's exactly why it's called that. And then also looking at the gastrocnemius and the soleus, but we're also going to add the TFL in there. So the TFL can become a lateral rotator uh, at the foot and ankle complex. And it is something that could be a contributing factor to this particular muscle uh, issue. Could also be a, a factor in lateral rotation of the feet as well. So fibularis complex, the gastrocnemius and the soleus, and the TFL. You're going to find a spot, a tender spot, hold it for 30 seconds, up to 60 seconds, do it for 90 to 120 seconds on each muscle group, and then static stretch. Static stretch, the gastroxoleus complex, and static stretch, the TFL. All right, so now we're going to look at what are we going to activate. Now here, these are very important. This is the anterior and posterior tibialis that I think is important to, to focus on. The anterior tibialis is a dorsiflexor and an inverter. The posterior tibialis is a plantar flexor and an inverter. And so we want to strengthen the inversion. We want to practice inversion at the foot and ankle complex. So we're going to do that as isolated strengthening the anterior and posterior tibialis. We're going to focus on strengthening the glute medius, and you're going to practice doing something called short foot. Short foot is basically trying to shrink your foot, trying to make it as short as you can. So it's almost like you're crunching the ground. Now, you can use your toes to support your in short foot, but really, I'd like for the center of the foot to contract, where it feels like the arch maybe is coming up off the ground, that you feel the, the foot shortening inside your shoe, or you can look at it when you do it on the, uh, on the floor without... Um, without shoes on, you can see with the socks or bare feet that you're starting to shorten your foot. Sometimes when I do short foot, I cup my hands 
because me cupping my hands helps me focus on doing short foot because I want my foot to do the same thing. And then you do 10 to 15 repetitions, four second eccentric, two second isometric, a one second concentric as you go through these repetitious exercises to strengthen anterior tibialis, posterior tibialis, gluteus medius, and the muscles of the foot, which won't be as much repetitious as it will be an isometric hold. And then step up to balance again, 10 to 15 repetitions. And as you do it, don't let the feet evert, maintain short foot, keep the knee in line with the second and third toe, and keep the pelvis balanced on top of it. There's another thing that's in there, which is uh, when you start to do a squat, here's a, a third solutions table. When you start to do a squat and you see people squat and their heels come up, it's a foot and ankle issue, but what you're really looking at is tight calves. So you're going to look at gastrocnemius and soleus, but you're really also looking at people that just aren't squatting correctly. But if there is a tendency to be a knee squatter, is, and that's my air quotes. So there's a knee squatter where you're focused on a lot of flexion at the knee and the torso tends to be upright a lot more. So the weight shifts into the ball of the foot and the heel comes up off the ground. Well, it could be because tight calves and it could be because of tight quadriceps or being a quad dominant squatter. It's easier to engage the quads than to engage the muscles in the posterior, like the glutes and the hamstrings. And so that may be why. However, honestly, you can do this. You can say, all right, well, I'm, I'm quad dominant, so we can focus on myofascial rolling, the gastrocnemius soleus complex and the quadriceps, stretching gastroc soleus and the quadriceps, and isolated strengthening for anterior and posterior tibialis. But really, you could just cue them to squat with their heels on the ground and then see what dysfunction happens up. And then you can have them squat again with their heel raised and see if that dysfunction disappears. And almost all of the time, it's a foot and ankle issue. It's a tight calf issue where people uh, or it is an issue of people not knowing how to squat. And that's okay. We spend some sometimes too much time on, on cueing people on what to do, what muscles are short, tight, overactive. Here's what we're going to inhibit. Here's what we're going to lengthen. Here's what we're going to activate. Here's our integration. And if you don't spend enough time cueing, you can do all the inhibitions and all the lengthening and all the activation when all they really needed was for you to teach them how to do it correctly. So cue first. Cue first. And if you keep cueing them and either they can't get into position or they continually move out of position, then you can consider a corrective exercise strategy in order to help them out. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Uh, like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family, and keep inspiring people to fitness. If you want to reach out to me, you can do so. Hit me up on Instagram at dr.rickritchie or email me at rick.ritchie at nasm.org. Thanks for listening. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.